Hey, you're listening to the GGC Life Podcast. Weekly messages from our Sunday services. We hope this message encourages you. Be blessed. You know, I don't think we understand, understand the statement that God is good. We really don't. We, it's still obviously grasping it. He's, he's eternally good. He is beyond comprehension good. Um, and uh, I was, you know, just going through First John. This is not my preach, but I just want to I'll just uh, t- uh, take, the, take off with this. Um, John the Apostle, who is the beloved of Jesus, he, he leant on Jesus' breast, his bosom, and it was really, really close to Jesus. And um, he, he talks about, he goes for half a chapter, close to most of the chapter, and, and it talks about that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen, which we have, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, which we've, our hands have handled and concerning the word of life. The life was manifested and we've seen it. We've witnessed it. We, 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 we held, beheld him. We, we were with him. The, the life, talking about that was which, which from the beginning. We're not talking about normal life that we know it. We're talking about the Zoe absolute life of God that was with the Father became a man and they held him. They walked with him. They saw him do miracles. They saw him do resurrections. They saw him feed, feed the 20,000 people with little boys' lunch. They saw God in the flesh speak to a storm, walk on water. They said, We handled this life and they're building it and building it. And when you read it, it's that which we've seen and heard. We declare to you, we're going to declare what what we've seen, what we've experienced, what we've handled. And he builds it, builds it, builds it. All these things we write to you so that your joy may be filled, full. And he says, this message which we have heard from, talking about the same thing, that life, that real absolute life. It says, and declare to you, and this is it. He's going to explain this whole revelation of who God is. And he says, we declare to you that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. That's the revelation. You mean, that's so simple. No, it's so profound. God is good. And in Him there is no badness whatsoever. Not an ounce, not a shadow of anything bad. So much darkness in this world that we have to deal with, that we get polluted in our wrong teaching and doctrine, that we think, oh God, let this happen. Someone dies, oh, God must have wanted him in heaven. Something happens, you know, bad happens, and we always blame God, especially when you don't know Jesus. Uh, the, in Italian, they say, the will and die the deal. That means the will of God when someone dies, even if it's a young kid. God is good. So I'm saying God is faith, and in him there's no fear at all, not, not an ounce of fear. How do you relate to someone that has no fear whatsoever? God is peace. There's no anxiety, no stress, no worry. Not a stressful thought in the Father at all, ever. God is love. And in Him, there's no selfishness at all. When, just, when you get this revelation, you realize God is absolutely, amazingly, eternally good. And you, you and I want to get to know Him. Amen. And so my message is continuing from last week. We're talking about Jesus. Isn't that funny? My message is Jesus. Because don't you think that the church should always be preaching about Jesus? Don't you think that the, our main message, our main theme, our, everything should be in and around Jesus? And I know we can teach on other subjects 100%. But when we teach on subjects like marriage, 
in the past, I'm sure, and I've done it too, I'm sure, uh, many people have done it, that we taught on marriage, the principles of marriage, but never brought in Jesus. Yet Jesus is the pattern of marriage. In Ephesians 5, it actually says that love, you know, husbands, love your wife even as Christ loved the church and laid down his life for us and sacrificed himself and washes her with the washing of his word. He washes the bride with his word. He says, he says you're forgiven. When you believe it, you're forgiven. He says, you have right standing. When you believe it, you have right standing. He washes you with his word. He has to speak it out. And he does speak it out. He declares it in the spirit realm. When you believe it, that's how you get washed. I believe it's the same principle with a husband and a wife. You speak that over your wife. You speak the loving word. You speak who they are in Christ. You speak the way God sees them as a princess. That's the model. So when we preach marriage, which should be in and around Christ. We teach on finances. It shouldn't just, these are the principles of managing your money. And these are the financial principles. And leave Jesus out of it. Why do we tithe? We tithe to Jesus as the high priest, Hebrews says. Our motive has to be, I do this for you, Lord. I do this because I'm in love with you. I do this because I want your gospel, your kingdom. You love people to the point where you gave yourself up, sacrificed yourself. You love them so much. I also love people. I will give my finances to see this gospel preached, to see more people saved. And so people know we're doing it for our love for the Lord. Everything is in and around Jesus, if that makes sense. And I don't want to read, preach what I preach, but I want us to understand that I believe worldwide that the Lord God is bringing everyone back to Jesus. I do believe there's movements all over the churches, all over the world, all over different movements. It's coming back to Jesus. Jesus culture, Jesus people, Jesus image, all different churches. It's happening. The good news that God is bringing us back. We've been partnering with the Apostolic Prophetic Team, and Tyron's been talking about bring it back to Christ, the centrality of Christ. It should be all about Jesus for probably about six or seven years. Trying to get the team guys, about seven, eight hundred of us all around the world, to get us on track. So when we go into the churches, we, we bring the right foundation in. And it's happening all around the world. I'm telling you, I'm, I'm excited about that. Because sometimes we can sing songs, and we, we, we sing songs, and it doesn't even... I mean, most times everything's coming back on track, so it's amazing. A lot of songs have come back on focus on Jesus. But in the past, you can sing songs and someone could ask, what are they actually singing about? Or it could be about us stirring each other up. Let's do this. Let's do that. We're telling each other, which is a place for that. I think there's a place to sing that. But if the whole worship time is that, do we actually go into worshiping Jesus? So kind of stir yourselves up. We're stirring each other up in faith. We're, we're telling you, the battle's not mine, it's the Lord's. And, you know, we battle, this is the way we battle. And I walk this. And we, we tell each other something. It's great. I think that's in the Psalms. I believe it's in the Psalms. But we, we get to a place where we worship Him. And as I said before, that we end up saying, wasn't Jesus amazing in that worship meeting? Because usually we say, wow, that worship was awesome. Like I like what we're saying, the experience was good. But what are we doing? What's the whole worship for? To worship Jesus. It's bringing us to Him. So I encounter Him. So I believe our language is slowly going to change. We're going to start saying, Jesus was so amazing. I had a revelation of Jesus. I believe the same with preaching. The whole point of preaching is to reveal Jesus, to express Jesus, to show how beautiful He is. So, you know, we don't need to say, oh, the preaching was amazing. The preaching was great. No, Jesus was phenomenal. I saw something of Jesus and never saw something before. Jesus was amazing. My, sister, my daughter prayed for me. I was my sister. My daughter prayed for me. And she said something like, 
Lord, let us, because she's heard us, me preach about this. She says, let us not say, how does she say it? Let us not say um, that the person, that's, the person that's speaking about someone, saying that they did good speaking when they're actually speaking about someone else. Something like that. But basically, let's not say, well, that was amazing because that guy spoke. The person's speaking about someone else and trying to reveal that person. Please in my heart, we're, we're all growing and changing. I've done it all the time. I've done it. You know, and, and you know, there's a place to say, oh, there's a great, oh, that's a good message. It really spoke to me. It revealed Jesus to me. But remember, it's about Jesus. And just to start us off, I want, you know, I, I, I think I explained that I've been going through Ephesians, going through Colossians. It's very simple. You just go through the book, read it, and every time you see Jesus, every time you see Christ, look it up and look at the point that, that, that expressing. What is that bringing to us? What revelation is that saying about Christ? And you see how much the Bible is full of Jesus and Christ. It's all about Him. From the Genesis to Revelations. How can we miss it so much where we make it about something else? Motivational, encouraging, and all that. And we don't even mention Jesus sometimes. So please hear my heart. The Bible says in Colossians chapter 1. Let me just go through this really quickly. Jesus Christ is the creator of all things. It's in your Bible. Colossians 1.17 says, Christ is before all things. Colossians 1.17 said also, by Christ all things exist. Colossians 1.18 says that in, in all things, He, Jesus Christ, might have the preeminence. Colossians 1.19 says, in Christ all fullness dwells. In Christ, in Christ as a person, all God's fullness dwells in Him. In Hebrews 12, 2 says, Jesus is the author and the finisher, the completer of your faith. He started your faith. He's going to complete your faith. Amen. Jesus said in Revelation 22, verse 13, I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. I mean, how beautiful is that? Standing victorious, face shining like the sun, eyes full of flames of fire, out of his mouth a sword of, like a sword of the Spirit. Glowing with the glory and the presence of God. Not the suffering servant, the glorified Jesus. Jesus is the chief cornerstone of the church. That's found in Ephesians 2.20. And uh, we are built upon the foundations of the apostles and the prophets. Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. You know in those days when they made a, a cornerstone, they would a building, they would put a cornerstone down first and the measurement of that cornerstone de determined how they were going to build the whole building. It was the plumb line. They had to be in line with that cornerstone. It was the one that they built from. They understood that really clearly. When they say chief cornerstone, that's what it means. 1 Corinthians 3 verse 11, for, no, for other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. You cannot lay any other foundation in our life except Jesus Christ. If we don't have Jesus Christ in our hearts, we won't go to heaven, 100%. Jesus Christ is our salvation. And in that, in that context, it was talking about the day of judgment, that when you do go through the day of judgment, depending on how you built on that foundation, which is Jesus Christ, whatever you built on, if you built wood, hay, and stubble, it burns up in the day of judgment and you suffer loss. How do you suffer loss when we're going to heaven? We're still going to heaven because we're Christians, we're believers, we're sons and daughters of God. We've already made it into heaven. We're already citizens of heaven. It's not a matter of, we're not, okay, I'm standing before the judgment seat of Christ, and am I going to make it or not? No, it's not a matter of, am I going to make it or not? It's about how much rewards we receive. And if you built with wrong um, building construction, which is not obeying the voice of the Holy Spirit, 
doing your own thing. So you live a Christian. You got Jesus as your salvation, but you do your own thing. And it says, but if you build with gold, silver, precious stone, you will receive a reward. That's, that, 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 the gold, silver, precious stone are elements that can handle the fire of judgment. So Jesus is our foundation, but he's also our judge through that scripture. Uh, Jesus is the head of the church. Remember that. He's the head. If, a, if my head, everything happens from the head, doesn't it? All my communication to my body, my nervous system, my body, my muscles, my ligaments, all receives instructions from our head, our brain. Jesus is the head. We are completely connected to the head. Amen. And just, I'm just, this is just foundation, just getting it going. Um, if you want to know what the early apostles preached, it's in the Bible. And it says, 1 Corinthians 1, 23, uh, Paul says, great apostle, great master builder. He built so many churches, wrote 14 letters of the New Testament, said, but we preach Christ crucified. That's what he preached. Unto the Jews, Christ becomes a stumbling block. Unto the Greeks, he becomes a foolishness. But he preaches Christ crucified. 1 Corinthians 2, 2, for I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. That's my theme. That's my message. That's my life message, Paul's saying. Acts 5, 42, in the book of Acts, this is what they did. And daily in the temple and in every house did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus Christ, Jesus as the Christ. Daily in the temple and from house to house, what was their message? Daily, they did not cease to stop teaching or preaching Jesus as the anointed one, the Christ. Amen. And it says in Acts 4, 33, And with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them. What were they speaking about? The resurrection of the Lord Jesus. That's why they had signs and wonders. They preached this gospel of the kingdom that has power. The gospel of the kingdom. I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation. I just want to show us that in the Bible, it's all over the whole Bible. I've just come up with a few points, but literally there's hundreds and I believe even thousands when you read your New Testament alone. about It's all about Him. In Colossians 1.20 says, Through the blood of His cross... He, Christ, has reconciled all things to himself. What does that mean? Reconciled all things to himself. Some people say, some people take that out of context and try to say that everyone's going to be saved. Totally wrong, out of context. All things means what he restores everything that was lost to mankind. Everything that needs to be restored to mankind, Jesus Christ totally restored. What did he need to restore? The presence of God. He restored the presence of God to mankind. He needed to restore um, our spirit that's spiritually dead. He needed to forgive us of our sins. He needed to give us right standing. He needed to give us holiness. He needed to give us our authority back because we lost our authority in Adam. He needed to give us spiritual vision. He gave us spiritual vision again because we lost it. Our spirit man needed to uh, be in dominion of our mind and our, and our body. He gave that back to us. He gave us discipline, the fruits of the Spirit. He restored all things back to us. Amen. Jesus did that for you. And look at this. We, and that's found in Colossians 1 verse 20. That's Christ has reconciled all things to himself. The other point is we have absolute right standing with God through Christ. If we really get this, you know, I heard someone say, when you pray, don't pray to seek God. 
pray to be with God. Because you are with God. God's already inside you. And I, I struggle to pray. I, pr- I struggle to sing and worship songs like, come, um, come here again. It means he's not here. But he's here. Like, it, it's the reality. And I know we just sang songs about, um, you know, break my walls down. That's exactly right. They're our walls. They're not God's walls. Think about this for a second. God in Ephesians says he broke down the middle wall of petition. He broke down the wall that was between you and God. It's fully gone. There's nothing in the way between you and God, except if you have a lack of knowledge. If you have a lack of knowledge, then you realize, oh, my shame, my guilt, my this, my that, I've done this, I've done that. And then that holds you back from God. Because then you end up struggling. And in your thinking, in my thinking, I end up thinking, well, now I've done some bad stuff. So now I've got to live right for a while before I'm worthy to experience his presence. You're working by works and not by grace. You cannot get to God's presence by any works. So how good you have to be before you can deserve or worthy to feel his presence. It's all by his grace. Just throw yourself at his mercy, throw yourself at his grace. And what we need to do is repent. The word repentance is not a hard thing. It's change your thinking, change your mind. Say, God, I'm sorry I did that. I was thinking the wrong things. I changed my mind. I want to think the way you think. It's a change of thinking. We do need to repent. One of the main criteria for revival is repentance. Repentance brings the refreshing of the Lord in the book of Acts. I'm not talking about repentance for our guilt and shame. I'm talking about, Lord, I, I, I just missed that. I'm sorry I did that. But, but you know what? I don't have guilt. I don't have shame whatsoever. It's like if I have an argument with my wife and I say sorry to her. I'm still married. I still have a position as a husband. We have not broken up. It's just a disagreement. But in, in relationship, you would say, I acknowledge that. What I did was wrong. Does it make sense? But right standing with God, how powerful is that? In Colossians 1.22, as a baby Christian, when I used to read this, this used to bless me so much. It says, Christ presents us holy and unblameable and unreprovable in His sight. His sight means in His presence. Christ presents you holy, unblameable, unreproachable in His sight. And this is the condition, just in case you want to know the condition. If, it's in the Scripture, in the Bible, if you continue in the faith, that's held out in the gospel. That's it. If you, are you continuing in your faith in Jesus? Are you holding out that Jesus is your righteousness? Are you holding on to the fact that he paid the penalty for your sin? Because if you did or do, you're, you're, you're made holy before God. Holy. I don't think, if we understood the reality of God's holiness and beauty and power, if you and I were translated right now in the very presence of the throne room of God, He would be brighter and shining magnificently more powerful than the sun. Sun is nothing compared to God the Father. Nothing. I'm telling you, God spoke the sun into existence, and it's a million times bigger than the earth. Man just standing before the glory of the Father. Rainbows of all colors exploding out of him, thunders and lightnings. Imagine you're there, bang, in the presence of the Holy One. I don't know about you, but if you don't know your righteousness, you want to go, and run away. You want to run. That's your sin consciousness that makes you run from God. 
But when you get a revelation that he came up with the idea, he did this, it's his plan of redemption, he purposed this. I didn't come up with the idea, I didn't even know I needed salvation. He did it. So I honor you to stand in the presence of God. And you don't have to struggle, you don't have to strive, nothing, you just stand. We're going to do that after I finish speaking. And God's presence is going to come over so many. He's going to baptize you afresh with his fire. Today, it just takes a second. It's like you breathe. The spirit, the word spirit in the Bible is breath. And sometimes the worldly people tap into something like, breathe deep, breathe deep. God is breath. And it's good to breathe, but you're breathing in God. You say, God, I breathe in your presence. And he comes. And sometimes even, not sometimes, exhale, exhale, exhale. Just every breath you take, everything you do is just God comes. It's the posture of your heart. You just humble yourself to him. The presence of God, right standing with God. What a greatest gift. Jesus, who knew no sin, became sin. Think about that. I, I, I always want to remind myself and remind us, Jesus didn't have, didn't have to die for his own sin. He lived a perfect life. You know that. Came from a virgin birth, lived for 33 years, totally obedient to God as, God, as God's son, yet he referred to himself as the son of Adam. That's how he defeated the enemy, as a man, because Adam lost covenant relationship and was separated with God as a man. And so Jesus, as a man, didn't die for his sin. He represented you. He represented me. He identified himself with mankind. And on that cross, he willingly became death. Guess what? If you're not a sinner and you've never sinned, Jesus never sinned, the devil has no right to put death on a man who never sinned. He has no legal right. It's the wages of sin that brings death. Satan had no legal right to put death on a man, but he couldn't help himself. He wanted to get rid of the anointed one because everyone was following him. He just thought if he keeps around on the earth, everyone's going to be following him. The kingdom of God's going to come. He couldn't handle it. He didn't, have, he didn't have a clue what God was up to. He really didn't know. Corinthians actually says, if the princes of this world knew who the Lord of glory was, they would not have crucified him. And I was talking about the physical princes, the physical leaders, but it's also talking about the spiritual princes. They didn't have a clue what was going on. When Jesus died on the cross, and he willingly laid, up, laid down his life, and, and his spirit man died and then his body died because you can't die physically if your spirit doesn't die and when he died satan did an illegal thing and now god the father can legally forgive every person that puts their faith in the man who was illegally treated by satan it's a justifiable forgiveness god is a righteous just god or else he would have just said i'm going to forgive people just because i want to but he can't break his own word he has to be righteous, he has to be just, he has to be fair, he has to be legal in his justification of mankind. And he did a perfect redemption. When you get the revelation of the depths of this gospel, you go, wow, no human being could ever have thought this up. It was God. And you know that you know that you know that you know that God came up with this. That's why the, the gospel is an eternal gospel. <laughs> Ephesians actually says, that it's an eternal gospel. It's in Ephesians 3. Eternal gospel? That means in the heart of God, God always knew he was going to die. He's going to send the Savior for you. If that's the case, that means God always knew he was going to have you. That means you were always on God's mind. 
It just gets deeper and deeper. Our brain doesn't compute this. It really doesn't. It's like, what? I was always on God's mind. Like God is eternal. He never had a beginning, but he always thought of me. Always thought of you. He's in factually in love with you. I need to teach this. This is so important. When we are all connected to the head, being Christ, we grow. Now that's revival when you think about it. That's actually revival. Ephesians 4.16 says, From the head, Christ is the head. The whole body is joined and knit together. The whole body. Let me read it. And it says, From that we grow. From the whole body, joined and knit together by what every joint supplies. So when we're all connected to the head, every joint supplies. You're a part of the body. You're all connected to Jesus out of relationship. This is intimacy, relationship, that's revival. Everyone's connected. You're not connected to a pastor. You're not connected to a church. You're not connected to a people. You are. I mean, don't get me wrong because I'm going to go there in a second. But, but you're first connected to Jesus. Amen? And then it says, according to the effective working by which every part, every part is you, does it share? You have to do your share, causes growth. If you don't do your share, the, the, the body won't grow the way it wants to, uh, God wants it to. Every part does its share, causes growth to the body for the edifying of itself in love. That tells me you have to be planted in a family, in a church family. Actually planted. And this pandemic has shaken the church to some degree, shaken the whole nations first. Because we know that's in the Bible. In Hebrews and in Haggai, it talks about, in the last days, I will shake heaven and earth. Now, what has happened with the pandemic of the COVID-19 is just the beginning of the cycle of the shaking. Don't think that's the end. Oh, great, it's finished. It's going to continue to shake. I don't know what else is going to happen, but things are going to happen. Things will happen. The economy will be shaken. Just be ready because you're, it really tells you where your foundation is. Is your foundation in God, in Christ? He's the rock. If I built my house on the rock, it's going nowhere. But the George Barner, who's a, a, a survey and does statistics with data and everything in America, has written a lot of books on the church data and everything. And he did a, 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 a survey recently. And they, he reckons in the last, I don't know, right now, hopefully it's just now, that 50% of the church in America won't go back to church. Some places are, are preaching halls. In other words, you sit in a building to be preached and entertained and the worship's entertained and it's a fellowship at the back of your head but I've got no relationship with anybody. And then I go out and live my worldly lifestyle. Those people won't go back. Do you understand? But when you're connected to the head, everyone is a revi- everyone's in revival because you're connected to the head. So you actually can't say, well, I'm going to, my, my, you know, I'm going to pull myself out of fellowship, family and all that and I'll, I'll, I'll be at home and I'll be in my Christian life at home. You can't do that. You've just gone against the whole Bible. You've actually gone against the whole Bible. If you say, I'll be connected to the World Wide Web. Well, the World Wide Web won't pass to you. The World Wide Web will not disciple you, correct you, love you, help you when you're needy, help you, you know, minister to you, share revelation, because there's got to be relationship. And in family, you will have conflict. You will have hard times. You will have things. That's the whole thing. That's what God uses to change you. The very conflict that people run away from, God uses that to grow them. So you can't be planted at home. You know, I'm just at home. God's doing a new thing. No, he's not. He's doing what's in the Bible. If you're listening, 
in the Bible. If it's in the Bible, please obey it. It's not my word. It's the Lord's word. I believe this with all my heart. And it goes on to say, all right, let me read Ephesians 4.13. It says, we are growing, you and I are growing and maturing into the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Think about it. That's our purpose. This is our destiny. You and I are shape, um, growing and maturing into the stature and the, and the measure of the fullness of Christ. Your destiny is to become more like Jesus. I hope you truly, really believe that. If you don't believe that, find all the scriptures in the Bible that says it. It's all over the New Testament. That we, we're created by God to be like Him, to walk like Jesus. The works that I do, Jesus says, that you shall do also. How could you say that if we can't mimic you? Follow me as I follow Christ. Forgive as Christ forgave. It's just all over the Bible. So, so my point is, what I just read there cannot happen. I'm telling you now, 100% cannot happen without Jesus' gifts to the body, which is the apostle, true apostles, true authentic apostles, true prophets, true pastors, evangelists, teachers. Unless you and I are exposed to their ministries, Correctly, in relationship, you will not grow the way the Bible says. You won't even be connected to the head correctly. Because Jesus gave that to us for that purpose. You know, well, no, like in other words, you can be under the best pastor in the world. Let's say you found an amazing pastor who's the best anointed teacher that you could ever find on the planet earth. You will never grow up to, into maturity just under his ministry. Impossible. I can tell you now, impossible. Find the best apostle even and sit under his ministry alone. You still won't grow up in maturity. Why do I know that? The Bible says that. And if you don't believe me, when you get to heaven, ask Jesus. You're going to go, Leo was right about that. Because <laughs> it's in the Bible. It really is. I'm convinced about it. Why have we got it wrong for so many years? Because we've only been exposed to the pastor or just been exposed to the teacher. Well, I just like this teacher. I don't like that. You need all. I don't like the apostles. Well, you need the apostle. I don't like the prophets. Well, you need the prophets. You'll stay a baby. It says, if you don't have this, you will run around to and fro, running around from every wind of doctrine. You up and down. I believe this now. I don't believe this. I believe this. And you run all over the place. We need what Jesus gave to the church. Can you see why we need to be planted? We have to be planted in a church. Sometimes someone said the largest church in the world is the Roman church. The Roman church, the Roman church. Be planted. He who is planted in the house of the Lord will grow. Amen. All right. I had to get those points across. I believe in that so much. I want a mature church. I want a mature church. This happens. What about this one? Um, Colossians 3 verse 10. I've spoken this last week, but I have to drive this home. I feel we haven't got it yet. We've got to get this. We are renewed in knowledge according to the image of Him who created us. We are renewed. You are renewed and changed. The word renewed is, is a good word for renovation. When you renovate a house or a room or this building, you have to tear down and then you rebuild. And you re put the, the walls up or the gyprock up and you, you change everything. You renovate. You tear down, tear down the thoughts and put the new ones in. But the word revelation is also, I want, to I want to show you in Ephesians 4, it's all over the Bible as well. It says, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. How are we renewed? In the spirit of your mind. And that you put on the new man, which was this new man, which is after Christ, which was created according to God 
in true righteousness and true holiness. But how, how's it, how do you get the renewing thing happening? Everybody say after me, revelation knowledge. Revelation. Say it again, revelation knowledge. revelation. The difference between revelation knowledge and head knowledge I'm not talking about head knowledge. Some people think, oh, I've got to get some knowledge. If I get the knowledge, I'm going to change. Knowledge will puff you up. The Bible says, 1 Corinthians, knowledge will puff you up, which makes you proud, and love will edify you. Knowledge can puff you up unless it's revealed knowledge. Now, the way I understand revealed knowledge is revealed is something that I didn't understand before. Now, it's revealed to my heart out of relationship. That's how you grow. If it's not out of relation, you're spending time with God and He knows to give you what you're ready to receive. He knows exactly what to give you for you to understand that. Okay, I need to accept that now. I need to let go of that lie. I accept that truth because He revealed it out of as a person. Revealed knowledge comes to the heart. That's what will transform you. It will change your mind. Amen? We are to forgive as Christ forgave the church. Christ is our example. And I believe the greatest example of all forgiveness that you could ever imagine is Jesus hanging on that cross. Think about what he went through. He willingly laid down his life, but he was whipped 39 lashes. His back and his front would have been laid bare, ribbons of flesh. They bashed him to a pulp already. He would have been already just mangled in his face. As Isaiah says he could not be recognized as a human in Isaiah 53. And they put those rusty seven, eight inch nails in his wrist to designed to hit the nerves and his, t- and his feet designed to hit the nerves. Crown of thorns. All the stuff that he went through, the ridicule and everything. Imagine the pain that he was going through. Yet, he says, Father God, in that state, imagine this revelation. What sort of revelation do you have to be living in to say, Father God, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. That released a, re- a power against the powers of darkness. That broke the principalities. That statement to say, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. I believe you and I can forgive like that. I really believe you can actually forgive. When you get this revelation, Father, I I, I choose to forgive because I know they don't know what they're doing. Usually a person, I know know there's people that have been hurt badly here. I know they've been abused physically, sexually and hurt. And some of you might go, well, how could I possibly forgive them? You don't know what they've done to me. You know, all my life I've held hatred and anger. And, always, and if you're wishing bad things against them and all these things, you've got to understand, you forgive for Christ's sake first. Then you forgive for your sake. You're not necessarily forgiving them for their sake. And I believe you can forgive someone and release them, even though they haven't repented, asked for forgiveness, said sorry. And you can forgive it doesn't mean you have to trust them. Some people get, people get mixed up. But if I forgive them, then I have to, you know, I, I can't trust them. I just can't trust them. They get all mixed up in their minds. If I forgive them, I won't be able to. Tr- you can forgive them and trust is earned. You don't have to trust them. You don't let them into your world again to abuse you. You can forgive and trust has to be earned. If they truly repented and changed, then trust can start to be earned. But it takes time to earn trust. But I'm telling you, this will free you up if you know how to forgive with, as Christ forgave. Even if, someone, I'm talking, even if someone does absolute evil, we've seen, I'm talking about persecution. I mean, one of my last points, which I'm not going to get to, because I wanted to get to let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly as well. There's so many things. How much of the Word of God is really up to you? You and I have as much as God as we want to. Just being honest. 
I've got as much as God as I want to have. If you say, I'll read five minutes a day, that's as much of God you'll get. I'll spend time with God 10 minutes a day. Fellowship with Him. Because you're not just reading, you're fellowshiping with the Word. Fellowship with Jesus. Jesus is the Word. If you, you know, it's up to you. But I remember when I first got saved, guys, I, I, I'm, I'm a young man, I'm 22 years old. No, I'm 19 years old. 19 years old, not married. And I read scriptures like a good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, he brings forth good things, Jesus said. An evil man, that means a negative, insecure, fearful man, brings forth negative, insecure, fearful things into his life. Why? For out of the abundance of his heart, his mouth is speaking. Out of the abundance of your heart. Whatever's in my heart, I'll end up getting. What's in my heart, I end up speaking. What do I end up speaking, I end up doing. What do I end up speaking and doing, I end up getting. I'm speaking now that I've got to speak God's word to walk in God's destiny. So I said to myself, I'm going to get this word. I'm going to put it in as much as I possibly can. And in those days, I was using the state-of-the-art technology. State-of-the-art that you could possibly have. We used to have, we used to have the tape recorders back then. But it turned into an auto-reverse tape recorder. That was a breakthrough because we never had that. When it stopped, it stopped. You have to rem- oh, it stopped. You have to go back and get turned around. So now it reverses by itself. So I would put the tape on, Bible, preaching, while I go to sleep. I had my tape in my bedroom, tape, uh, tape recorder in the, bar, uh, in the shower, I mean the shower, in the kitchen and in the bathroom. So when I showered and when I shaved and brushed my teeth, I, I would put that on. It's going to be 20 minutes, put it on. I can hear the word. I'm not wasting it. I did it at home when I had breakfast. I was living at home by myself and I'd prepare it and the word's going into my heart. Everywhere. I even had the Walkman going. That was state-of-the-art too, by the way. Because we never could take a tape recorder. I mean, we used to do as breakdancers the big giant ghetto blaster. And now we thought we were cool because we could carry this thing. And now it's a Walkman. So I would use that Walkman with the Word of God in it and preaching and everything. I'd even do my study notes. I would study subjects, read it out loud, and then put it on my tape recorder so it can speak to me. And I'd say, Leah, you are made the righteousness of God. Leah, you are now created in God's image. I would say my name in it so I could hear it changing my mind and my heart. And, and I would have one, one speaker headphone here uh, with wires, of course. And <laughs> I would talk to the, in the, in the van. We used to call it the happy van to pick up people for two hours to take them to church. And we'd sing, we'd worship, we'd praise God. And it would take two hours in the before service, two hours after, and I'd hear the Word of God all that time. I'm saying to you, use your technology and get the Word in you. If you don't know, Leah, I don't know who to listen to. Who are the good speakers, preachers, apostles? Who are the real apostles or prophets? <laughs> That's it. Talk to us. We can point you towards because you need to hear more than just me. You need to hear all the apostles, all the prophets, all the pastors, evangelists, teachers. And you need, and get it on and just start listening as much as you can. Feed it and then live it. You have to, you have to feed on it, meditate on it, and then live it. Amen? And let me finish. Uh, uh, there's many other things, but let me finish with this. Persecution for Christ. Because I don't want to preach all that. sounds all the good stuff. What about persecution? We will be persecuted when you live like this. Persecution. We should get to the place where we don't fear man, fear, fear the rejection, fear of failure. You talk to someone about Jesus. Let them, if they reject you, they reject you. It doesn't matter. What, that, what happened? They just rejected you. They rejected Christ. Actually, not you, didn't they? So you to, don't take it personal. Realize they just rejected God, not me. 
But in, you know, there's a story of a little boy. I don't know how old he was. But I read it in this Jesus book. And he said, uh, this boy, they, they grabbed him, captured him for Christ. And they said, deny Jesus. Deny this Jesus that you keep preaching everywhere. And he said, no, I can't deny my Lord. So you know what they did? They chopped his hand or arm off. Chopped his arm off. Deny the Lord or chop your other arm off. He didn't deny the Lord. He chopped his other arm off. Deny the Lord or chop your legs off. They chopped his legs off. And he still wouldn't deny the Lord. They cut him in half. They sawed him in half. I think we in the West are worried about someone rejecting us. We've got to get to the place because into the future, there are going to be people that go into places, missionaries, people that plant churches are, are, are ready to give up their life for Christ. And that, you can't do that without your love for Jesus. You do it because you're in love with Jesus and people are lost and you want to, you want to please your Lord. Amen. You've been listening to the GGC Life Podcast. We hope this message has encouraged you. For more, please visit our website, ggclife.com or email us, ggclife at ggclife.com. From our house to yours, be blessed.